0: Welcome back to Superhero Cinema, the weekly show about superheroes on TV, in the movies, and in comic books. I'm Michael. I'm Jefferson. And I'm Jonathan. And this is issue number two for the third week in March 2007. Let's start off with some corrections and clarifications from last week's show. First, I spent quite a bit of time talking about, well, we talked about Iron Man for a bit, and I went off on a whole big thing, speculating on who I thought Jeff Bridges was going to play, suggesting and making a pretty strong case for him playing Nick Fury. I could not have been more wrong unless <laughs> I suggested that he was playing the armor. Right, <laughs> um, he's, he's not playing Nick Fury. In fact, he's playing a villain. He's playing Obadiah Stane. They refer to him as a colleague, so I imagine what's going to happen is he's going to be someone who works with Stark. He's another industrialist. He's another manufacturer Mm -hmm. and uh, later becomes a – in the comics at least, became a competitor and and someone who put Stark out of business, took over his business. Um, The reason they – the talk about him having an interesting haircut is that he is playing it bald with a silver goatee.
1: Hmm.
0: I, it's been so long in, in the comics that I don't remember how the character originally looked. Right. I, I kind of remember him just being an old guy with white hair. But uh, I think that would something more interesting. I've been trying to look up to see a picture. I haven't found one. I am gonna may have to actually dig through my old comics because I know I do have the Iron Man comics when he was around.
2: Yeah, I, actually I was looking it up today too and I found that uh, he's actually a bald guy with no goatee. So oh, I guess okay. they decided to give him at least a little bit of hair for the movie here. Okay, good. <laughs> or a stately look.
1: Mm -hmm. it'll be an interesting look for Jeff Bridges he's usually that's the
0: thing I'm waiting for the first picture to come out because he's already Mm -hmm. done the look so at some point someone will catch a picture of him going somewhere publicly like that since they they started shooting on Monday so also on casting um, we talked last week about uh, who might be cast in uh, Katie Holmes' role from Batman begins in The Dark Knight and Maggie Gyllenhaal it has been confirmed is not currently cast they haven't signed the deal but she's in the final talks with the producers to get cast in The Dark Knight
2: so what does that mean exactly, final talks?
0: Uh, it means working out the money details, working out the scheduling details, because uh, mm-hmm. she'll have obviously several other projects. That, that quite often happens with actors where they might be doing four films this year, and they, they'll have to schedule with the producers to say, you know, she starts shooting this day, she ends shooting that day. She might have to stop, you know, during one week and, and work on a different project. And then obviously money is, is always a factor in negotiations. Mm-hmm. so it basically means both sides are interested and they're just kind of working out the details
2: that sounds good It sounds like she's pretty close to uh locking it up there yep, yep.
0: yeah when they say final talks it's it very rarely falls through because otherwise they would have been more careful about not actually saying it
2: right. Although, right.
0: although that's not yeah I mean, that, that's not 100 percent. it sometimes do fall mm-hmm. they do fall
1: through like i said last week uh i I'm just having a hard time caring one way or another i mean the the character is so forgettable that I don't think it really matters who no. plays her. It doesn't seem like it'll be a very important part of the, the film anyway. You know, the love interest always seems kind of tacked on in the Batman movies.
0: Funny you should mention that. We'll bring that up later.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, another correction. Bruce Timm, uh, and Jefferson did correct me on this anyway, was that Bruce Timm did not work on Brainiac Attacks, the uh, animated direct-to-DVD movie, uh, Superman. I did confirm that. Uh, who I was thinking of was Kurt Gaeta, who actually was a director on quite a bit of the Superman series and several of the Batman and Justice League series. He, he was a uh, producer on this film when normally he had been a director of, of some of the other uh, DC animated universe stuff. So that's where my confusion was. Bruce Tim had nothing to do with that movie.
1: And now we see what happens when Bruce Tim doesn't have anything to do with one of their movies. Yep.
0: <laughs> um, another thing to correct is when I was talking about the Amazing Spider Man series, I said that it was going to be playing alongside uh, the Batman and Teen Titans, and Teen Titans is, is canceled. Teen Titans is no longer on the air. I, was, yeah. I meant a Legion of Superheroes, which is, which is on Saturday mornings next to the Batman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: the the other teenage superheroes. Have either of <laughs> you seen the show?
0: I I do watch it. I actually, I I quite yeah. enjoy it. It's it's yeah. not highbrow intelligent entertainment, but for a Saturday morning kids show, it's it's actually pretty good. I mean, they're yeah. they're they're following quite a bit of the comics continuity. At least they've they've got the characters and the characterizations pretty much dead
2: on. So I actually enjoy it, which is kind of a rare thing when it comes to cartoons like that. Yep. Right. No Sometimes it's just hit and miss.
1: Yeah, it certainly was not the case with the Teen Titans animated series. They, uh, they, they looked like the characters, but that was pretty much where it began and ended.
0: Yeah, it, 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 really, it had nothing to do. I mean, they used a lot of the same characters, not quite the same storylines, but right. storylines that were similar to the storylines of the Teen Titans series. Mm-hmm. We talked about the Bionic Woman pilot. Uh, I had said that they had cast the little sister, and we were all we're like, well, I guess you have to start somewhere. I had missed that they had actually cast the lead, the Jamie Summers role, uh, as being played by Michelle Ryan from the British series
1: EastEnders. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know, if Jefferson, if you've watched that at all. I know you. I've seen fan. it a couple of times. It's a long-running British soap opera. It's uh, really not very interesting. I yeah, guess. Okay. I mean, people get addicted <laughs> to it, though. It's one of those kind of soap operas <laughs> that people just start watching and they can't stop. They get yeah. wrapped up in the characters. I just know that you're a fan of all things British. I'm a fan of most things British. I don't mm-hmm. know about all things British. But many things British. <laughs>
0: And we mentioned uh, TMNT, which opens on March 23rd. And I said I didn't know if, if there were any interesting voices. And actually, I looked up the cast of it, and it's got quite a few interesting voices. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller is playing April O'Neil. Uh, Chris Evans from Fantastic Four, who plays the Human Torch, uh, is playing Casey Jones. Z uh, Zhang is in it. Uh, Patrick Stewart, Kevin Smith. Lawrence Fishburne is the narrator, and uh, Mako, who, who uh, actually I don't know if it's Mako or Mako, I never knew how to pronounce that, but a uh, great actor, you'd remember mm-hmm. from uh, Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer and many, many, many other things, you recognize his voice anywhere, um, who right. unfortunately passed away last year. Before he passed away, he voiced the character of Splinter for this film. So this
1: will probably be one of his last roles. Yeah, I
0: believe it is. Looking on IMDb, I think he had maybe two other roles that he had done that that aren't out yet.
2: Yeah, and I saw a trailer for it on TV just the other day, and it it very much fits with with Splinter, his voice. Mm -hmm. Kind of how I imagined it in my head when I was reading the comics.
0: And uh, one other item was we talked about who was in the Justice League, and I actually went ahead and looked that up. And the original Justice League lineup from Brave and the Bold number 28 was Aquaman, The Flash, The Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Wonder Woman, and Superman and Batman were shown as being part of the group, but said that they were off doing other things and were not part of the main story.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, they (laughs) use that quite a bit in the comics, actually. The comics kind of... I mean, even the current series that that they're they just restarted the comic series again, and they kind of they always have to have the scene where they invite Superman and or Batman to join up, and they say, "Well, give me a call if you really need me," but. I'm in, like, five titles of my own. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great device
0: to kind of explain that, you know, they're in the group because it doesn't make sense to have a superhero group that covers all the superheroes in a world with Superman and Batman and not have Superman and Batman involved. But as soon as they're in there, they overshadow everyone else, so you don't necessarily want them in every episode or every issue. Mm -hmm.
1: And they did that. Pretty much what happened on the, the most recent animated series is that if either or both of those characters was in the episode, the episode was about them but but then there were frequently episodes that they just weren't in at all they kind of revolved the, especially later on they kind of revolved the cast and had different characters in different times and they would drop one or two or add new ones yeah.
0: and that's uh what they did you know starting right off the bat with the brave and the bold 28 they actually established the format where each of the other characters had their own little part of the mission. They they had their own thing that they were doing. And then only at the end did all of them come back together uh, in the, in the hmm. big, big battle for with whoever they were battling that issue. And uh, one other thing, uh, a new thing, we have some listener feedback. This is Woo-hoo. great. I actually received an email this morning. Uh, who knew we would get email off of our first issue last oh, week? yeah. But we actually did. I was very excited to see it. And, so do they uh, count
2: as our uh, number one fan
0: there? It, it's our number one first to.
2: fan. All right. Uh,
0: this is from Linny, and Linny writes, I'm a huge fan of comic books and superheroes, especially Batman and the X-Men. However, I was disappointed to hear your views on female leads in superhero films. In fact, I actually found your comments on female leads in superhero films a bit sexist. Aww. You were basically saying that the female characters are not as important to the story as the male characters. As a woman who loves superheroes, I think that the female lead in a superhero film is just as important as the male lead. We need more superhero films where the female characters take on stronger, more significant roles. Now, Linny, (laughs) I have to completely agree with you. Not that I'm a sexist, but with the idea that talking about female leads. And and the reason that I agree with you is because I misspoke. I, I was the one who started that conversation and I should not have used the term female lead. What I really meant was love interest. And and Jefferson kind of alluded to that before, mm-hmm. that it's 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 not a female lead characters. Female lead characters in superhero films are great if if they're written well and they're good strong characters. I would love to see more of them. I'd love to see more of like, you know, Black Cat and Spider Man or someone do really well black canary or huntress or, or oracle or any of that my problem was with love interests is mm-hmm. is when they when they throw in an unnecessary love interest into a story where one was really not needed and it really doesn't add anything like mary jane and spider-man in the spider-man films is important to the plot the the, the films yeah. are essentially love stories you know, yeah it really just works gonna, there.
1: just gonna point that out that i mean there are those lucky superhero characters who do have a central female character like mary jane or like lois lane Mm -hmm. i know they're very important they're they're totally tied into the story you can't really have the story without them but then you've got you know in the case of of batman batman that's exactly
0: the the examples i was thinking of batman forever Uh and batman and robin you know where where you've got the love interest in there and they're really just there to look pretty and be kissed by the hero Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they're they pretty much
1: forgettable as characters yeah they don't serve the story they, but Hollywood feels like they have to have them and yeah, and it's not that personally it's not that I don't like I love female characters yeah. but I would like to see them matter to the story you know exactly like to, i want to see it be integral to the plot and not just tacked on
0: Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be female love interest it, it, yeah. it works the same way in opposite i mean you, you know okay let's let's ignore the fact that electra and catwoman were just really really horrible to begin with <laughs> but mm-hmm. just as examples of superhero films that had female leads you had goran Visnjic in electra and you had benjamin bratt in catwoman and in both mm-hmm. cases they were there just for the female character to think about romantically
1: right exactly yeah same thing exactly they serve no no meaningful purpose in the film at all yeah Yeah,
0: those movies are so sexist (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i wanted to clarify that and and thank you uh lenny i'm i'm really just i was happy that someone's out there listening and and you know thought it important enough to write and call me a sexist yeah
1: that's uh (laughs) we've made somebody angry that's a good start exactly
0: (laughs) and uh so so that's our our wrap-up from last week and and feedback and now let's get on to the news from this week As always, you can get additional info and links to these stories online at our website, SuperheroCinema.com. The front page of the site will always keep you updated on the latest info about superhero movies and TV shows from all over the web. In our first story, let's talk about box office. 300 did amazing. It, it really blew people away. It, it exceeded all expectations. It was a huge shock to Hollywood. It did $70 million for the weekend. It was a record for March. It was the third best R rated opening of all time. Um, the studio was actually expecting it to do 45 million and it did 70.
2: Nice. Well, good. You we always want uh, movies that are somewhat related here to. Uh the comic book universe to do good, you know, it always bodes well for everybody else.
0: And while 300 is, is not a superhero, it doesn't, you know, it's not a superhero story, it doesn't really fall under our stuff, it is a comic book story, the reason why I consider it important above all else is that the director of, of 300 was Zack Snyder, who has been working on his next project since all the way back last summer, and that would be Watchmen, mm-hmm. which, which obviously is the end-all be-all of superhero stories. Just kind of adding on to that, uh, they sent out a DVD screener back at Comic-Con with the trailer for 300, and in it, some some very very uh, enterprising folks with a lot of time on their hands went frame by frame and actually found one frame in the trailer that was a mock-up, a test shot for Rorschach in Watchmen.
2: Oh, really? Wow! Yes, yeah, uh, I saw that online this week. That yep. that just
0: blew me away. I mean, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's a city backdrop and someone you know in his trench coat and hat and mask it's it's not very detailed it was it was really just a test shot it was just it's it's not you know who's cast or you know an actual frame from the film it was just a test thing to kind of look at the idea and, and see how it would look rendered in, in full resolution and they just, just kind of whet the uh, internet community's appetite yep, yep, there. and they kind of threw mm-hmm. it into the 300 trailer <laughs> now of course uh watchman is not actually greenlit by the studio greenlit means when they've actually approved the budget they've they've you know started to talk casting they've hired the director they've approved a script and when a studio actually commits and says you know x amount of dollars are going to this project we're committing to it financially it is a go-ahead that's that's a green light and until you actually have done that everything is is just in preparation everything is is in what they call pre-production uh, where Is
2: Watchmen uh, even in that kind of stage? I mean, wouldn't it be more in a speculative kind no, of stage? No, it, right it, no, it's it's past that. Uh, it's, oh, it, okay, it actually
0: it actually almost happened a couple of years ago with a different script, a different director, and a different studio. Uh, Paramount was, was literally you know at this stage where there, it was just about at the greenlit stage, and then there was a change of of management, a change of uh, executives at Paramount, and they decided not to go with it at the time. And then it, the the rights eventually reverted back to to Warner Brothers to DC, and that's why it's now a project again at at Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers just did 300, and, and were shocked at Zack Snyder, and and uh, they're going to want to keep him. They're they're going to want to make him happy. They're not going to want to let someone else get his next project.
2: Which is probably for the best. I mean, if Watchmen was made, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was when when all that was going on, I mean, computer effects in movies were practically non-existent so oh they were yeah, completely I mean,
1: non-existent
2: exactly yeah on well, commodore 64 it wouldn't look very good so mm-hmm. it's probably for the best now that it uh would a more of this kind of computer cgi enhanced movie age because such a a visual story mm-hmm.
1: that's true that's true i think it could de- it'll definitely benefit from advanced computer effects i think it would have been interesting had it gotten done, you know, 20 years ago when the comic came out, when they were first talking about doing it. But right. yeah, I mean, movie making technology has come a long way since then. So in in theory, that should make movies better now. In practice, that isn't <laughs> always the case. Yeah, it's it's still
0: about good story, good good performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of things that can that can make a break up whether a film's good or not. Right. right. Uh, also in box office news, Ghost Rider broke the 100 million dollar mark. It's actually the first film of 2007 to do that. It it ended up at 104 million at the end of the weekend. That actually puts it over Daredevil, uh, which was actually directed by Mark Stephen Johnson, the same person who directed Ghost Rider. That definitely uh, puts us on track to get a Ghost Rider sequel. They actually already mm-hmm. were talking this week about having it shot in Melbourne, Australia. That that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. I, I enjoyed yeah, the film. Yeah. I, I, I went to it. I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I, there was a lot of things for to bug me about it, mostly in terms of what I was talking about before, that the effects are not everything.
2: You have to have a good story. You have to have good characters. Um, but it was, it was a fun ride. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I um, thought that the uh, some of the characters were kind of weak, but, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those kind of B-movie type characters, and so you don't expect it to be, you know, Casablanca or anything. So you, you get right. what you
1: pay for for this kind yeah. of movie. Exactly. You don't expect anything brilliant out of Ghost Rider. <laughs> Maybe you should, but you don't.
2: Well, I guess the movie buying public went enough times to uh, for them to feel like it was mm-hmm. worth it. Right, and
0: it's it's stayed in the top 10 longer than than I expected it would. Yeah.
1: True. And I know uh Mark Steven Johnson's now working on a uh television series version of the the DC comic preacher which uh I mean preacher's not a superhero story, it's more of a it's hard to describe what kind of story it is, but but he's definitely... I mean, he clearly seems, for now at least, dedicated to bringing comics to the screen. That seems like that's his, what he wants to keep doing, you know, with, with two already under his belt and now developing this series. I think it's, it's, the last I'd read, he was developing it for HBO yeah, as a series. And his his plan, which sounds intriguing, his plan was to do one hour-long episode for each issue of the comic, which wow, in theory... That would be unusual. Yeah, in theory, sounds intriguing. In practice, I'm, I... I what concerns me is that h b o doesn't generally keep their series around for very long they they're kind of kind of have a hair trigger when it comes to new series, and so he's basically banking on them, giving him it'd have to be six years because it was a sixty issue series mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know if uh well, normally no, the cable series
0: go in thirteen episode seasons right so exactly Being thirteen epis- thirteen issue chunks at a time
1: which yeah. would mean he would need at least yeah you know, he'd need about five and a half years to five and a half seasons to do the entire series that's a that's a lot to commit to.
2: It is, I mean, yeah, I guess I, you could always start off that way and then change it later on, but mm-hmm. it's it's an admirable goal. Yeah. Because it's definitely yeah. a worthy series. I mean, it was yeah. I read it too, and it was great.
1: Yeah, and it was, at the time that it was coming out, it was DC's top-selling series. It was outselling all their superhero stuff. It was outselling everything they were doing. So that uh, hopefully that counts for something. Hopefully that'll move it into production, and, and they'll do a nice job on it. We'll see. But then, no, they're still in the we're-just-thinking-about-it stage right now. They're nowhere near casting or, or even saying for sure that they're going to do it.
0: Watchmen, I would, you know, once the reports of, of the weekend of 300, you know, oh. kind of sub calm down at, at uh, Warner Brothers and they start reassessing, okay, you know, what does that mean to us? One of the things it's going to mean is is we want Zack Snyder to keep working for us and, and what Zack Snyder wants to keep working on right now is Watchmen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seems pretty committed to, to doing that. I've read interviews with him in the past and he seems it seemed like he even maybe saw 300 as kind of a, a way to open the door so that he could do Watchmen you know because 300 okay. is a simpler story they did it without any major stars it was probably fairly low budget
0: and that's and, definitely uh, what it will achieve uh, financially
1: yeah yeah I think so hopefully it'll give him a little bit of let him do do the project that he wants to do and hopefully he'll do a good job on it uh, well that can launch me into a my mini review of, of 300 The reason why I think uh, Zack Snyder would be great for Watchmen is that my overall impression of 300 as a movie was that it is a really, really faithful adaptation of the comic. It it captured the, the tone of the comic, the feel of the comic, the look. You know, it looks just like the comic book, even down to the color palette. You know, you probably at least seen the trailers for it and it's got a really kind of odd dark color scheme to the, that goes through the whole movie and that's right out of the comic. You know, he really took the comic book and put it up on the screen and it's something that you kind of have to do with a comic like that, because it's not like Spider-Man, who's been around for 40 years and has been drawn by hundreds of different artists. You know, there, what, there is no definitive Spider-Man, but 300 was one book drawn by one guy, one guy with a very distinctive style. And so you really kind of have to at least acknowledge that, and, and Snyder definitely did that. He made the movie look just like the comic book which was pretty I mean, that's amazing. really
2: good for Frank Miller's work, right? And that, that kind of what happened for Sin City as well?
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. It did remind me a lot of Sin City for the same reason. Sin City also very, very faithfully reproduced the comic on screen. So the, the problem I have with both of the movies, with 300 and Sin City both, are, are the same problems that I have with Frank Miller's work in general. You know, the the characters are all arrogant jerks. They're really hard to relate <laughs> to. They're very one-dimensional <laughs> The main character in 300, uh, King Leonidas, is such an arrogant bastard. You just can't. He should be the underdog. You know, he's this guy who leads 300 soldiers against this horde of thousands and thousands of Persians. He should be the underdog. You should have a really easy time sympathizing with him. But you don't because he's so arrogant and he's so smarmy that you just, you, you, you don't feel for him. You don't feel any sympathy
2: at all for him. Are you even really pulling for him to win? You, you
1: know, I wasn't. You know, because I thought, well, see, the the only thing that makes that redeems him at all is the fact that his enemies are worse. They're even right. more one-dimensional and more smarmy <laughs> and jerky. And that's the case I, I find with with uh, most of the Sin City material is the same thing. It's really one-dimensional. It's the characters are all these sort of posturing tough guys, and uh, it's just really hard to relate to the characters or get in, or sympathize with them or get anything out of them. But yeah. as a technical achievement, 300 was amazing. It was it was gorgeous it did reflect the comic really well i think if he can do that with watchmen you know i just I'm, i really can't wait to see what he can do with a, a well written story you know with something that does have have nuanced characters you know something like watchmen that's that's so uh, well written and well done that you know he can if he can faithfully reproduce that the way he did 300 i think it'll be a pretty amazing thing to see
0: well interestingly on the subject of frank miller and arrogance and Frank Miller and Delusions of Grandeur. (laughs) Uh, Frank Miller has uh, stated that after the successful translation of his comics into the movies of Sin City and 300, from now on, any of his properties that he allows to be turned into movies,
1: he will direct himself. No, there's only one. one, I, I have a response to that, and that is he doesn't have any more properties that he's created himself. Miller's built his entire career working with other people characters. Sin city was really the only thing he's ever done that that he created entirely on his own the Mm -hmm. only other thing i can think of that's that's his was a series he did in the 80s with uh dave gibbons called give me liberty which he he created and wrote and dave gibbons drew but he miller doesn't have any other characters that are actually his
2: right he did a lot of electra batman
1: daredevil definitely daredevil Daredevil
0: and and batman dark knight series and Mm -hmm. year
1: one and and even 300 was it was drawn from history so technically True. those aren't his characters <laughs>
0: yeah he didn't create it but it, it was his original
1: but, work but th- and the film is definitely based on his work it is definitely his version of that story i wouldn't wouldn't uh, contest that at all and i think it's it's funny that miller's making this statement and the first movie that he's going to direct solo you know he co-directed sin city with robert rodriguez the first movie he's going to do on his own is will eisner's spirit somebody else's character <laughs> thanks for jumping into that for me i was about to do that <laughs> go ahead <laughs> Um, yeah, I just I find that really kind of it's kind of telling, you know. He, he's once again he's gonna take his steps with somebody else's work instead of coming up with something on his own. And I think it's just you know Miller is is Miller. He's 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 really good at at what he does. You know, he's he's I think he's really good at reinterpreting uh, these characters that he works with these superhero characters like Daredevil and uh, Batman. But his characters, as I said before, are just so one dimensional and so simple and such arrogant tough guys that. You know, I just don't see—I don't, I don't see where I can go with
0: it. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see where where he goes creatively and what what he does with the spirit because he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have announced that he will write and direct that. Um, yeah, I know that it's it's not his first attempt at the movies. Back in the '80s, and and I, I may get some of this wrong, so this will be our corrections for next week. Right, uh, <laughs> I know that he actually worked on uh, RoboCop two and he, three. Yep, he wrote one script. Yep. He
1: wrote a script for RoboCop two. And that script was subsequently split into two scripts and, and heavily rewritten by the producers of the, the two sequels. So robo technically he wrote RoboCops 2 and 3, but it was originally one one screenplay that, that was then divided into two separate movies. But
0: if I remember correctly, didn't he also direct three? No, he didn't. Oh, okay. Any. He didn't direct either of them? I thought he directed no, at least one of them. Okay. He probably wishes he did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know that yeah, he that left was... movies for a while after that. The experience it mm-hmm. had so soured him on on movies that that it was at least ten, fifteen years. I think probably not till Sin City that he actually ventured back into the movies. Yeah, oh, yeah. and
1: even with with Sin City, he said that he was kind of dragged reluctantly into that. Robert Rodriguez asked him to participate. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really very interested in participating before Rodriguez kind of had it. Rodriguez had him visit the set, and they did some. He watched him do a little bit of filming, and then he decided he wanted to be more involved.
0: Yep. And that's when they actually co-directed. So moving on to our second story of the week, uh, the movie of Shazam of Captain Marvel, but I'm sure it will be called Shazam, uh, Mm -hmm. has a new writer, a new screenwriter working on it. Um, That project's been in the works for a long time, as as most... uh, superhero projects have been when they're not actually being made they're being worked on or planned for the next attempt Um, it would be
1: an interesting challenge to try to find a even a minor superhero character who hasn't been in some stage of movie development just about every studio
0: has (laughs) shelves and shelves of unproduced scripts for superhero projects as they have shelves and shelves of scripts of just about everything Mm -hmm. Uh, But the new writer on it is John August, who uh, is best known for working on films with Tim Burton. He wrote The Corpse Bride, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Big Fish. Um, If he brings
2: that kind of tone to Shazam, that should be a very interesting movie. It
0: should be Mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, The director who's been on it for at least a year now is uh, Peter Siegel who is best known for comedies, um, best known for working with Adam Sandler. Um, He he directed Tommy Boy, he directed Anger Management, Fifty First Dates, Longest Yard, and his current project that he's shooting right now is Get Smart. Shazam would presumably be his next film after that. So he's
2: not casting Adam Sandler as, exam, right?
0: That could always happen we're, we're way far away from that oh, stage. Oh no. <laughs> John August. <laughs> is, it's not so. John August just got on it, so it'll be a brand new script or at least a script working on other people's scripts and putting together a new one. So, you know, we're we're a ways away from that.
1: Yeah, honestly, I'd kind of actually like to see it done as a kids movie. I would like to see it done kind of in the vein of uh, Sky High, because Shaz- I mean Shazam's kind of a cheesy character, and yep. and he's a he's a kid that transforms into this superhero. I think it would make a great kids movie, and I don't think it would make a very good movie for adults.
0: No, I I agree. I don't think that it should be played straight. I think it should be played a little bit on the humorous side,
1: and definitely a little bit yeah simpler, not so not so serious like uh, <laughs> so many of them these days are.
0: So moving on to more information about uh, the Dark Knight, uh, the Bat suit. Um, there's been some stories out there discussing with the with the costume person that the uh, Bat suit will be slightly redesigned. That I guess it's kind of a story item here, po- pseudo spoiler, in that some part part way during the film, or at some point in the film, he will do a redesign of the suit and make it a little bit lighter and more flexible. I know that. That had been one of the complaints that that the way that the suit was designed, particularly around the neck, you couldn't move your head very well.
1: Mm, so, it's uh, been a complaint since the first Tim Burton one, yeah. I think.
0: And I know that that had been something that they made a very big point of saying in Batman Begins that they were going that they made the suit look like you could move in it, and and it definitely looked like it had more points of articulation, but mm-hmm. it still looked very very bulky.
1: Well, yeah, be I'd fun. really really like to see something. You know, I don't I don't really need them to reproduce the comic in the case of Batman because as I was saying before about Spider Man and the difference between that and three hundred, there's so many you know, people have been drawing Batman for sixty years, there's so many different right. versions. But I would like to see something maybe a little bit closer visually to, to how he looks classically in the comics.
0: Yeah, I mean, you want it to look realistic. You, you want to be able to buy the idea that he's going to take the chance of, of running against criminals who have guns in, in right. this suit, that the suit is at least to some extent equipped to do it. So you're mm-hmm. not going to do that in spandex.
1: Right, but at the same time, it should also be f- feasible that he can run around on rooftops and stuff right. in this outfit, which so far, I mean, the one in Batman Begins was better than the previous attempts, but so far none of them have really made me believe that he could actually run around and do acrobatic feats.
0: Right. Yeah, the previous ones, you'd, you'd, you'd be shocked if he made it several steps without falling.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. How does he fold himself into the Batmobile? How does he, how
1: does he look behind him to change lanes when he's driving in that, <laughs> that hat? Yep.
0: So, uh, Jefferson, you saw 300. Did you see the new Spider-Man trailer with it? Or-
1: I did. Okay. I saw the Venom trailer. It was was interesting. What I found interesting about it, and we, we talked last week about how maybe something, well, at least I, something that I was a little concerned about with Spider-Man was that maybe they've got too much story, and the, the Venom trailer really kind of played that out for me. The trailer, the Venom trailer looks like it's a trailer for a completely different movie than the trailer that ran with heroes you know, really? there's no no scenes in common with the the heroes trailer it looks like it's this trailer for Spider-Man 4 you know it really it really details the venom story pretty nicely you know pretty compactly the trailer kind of introduces you to Eddie Brock the character who becomes venom he's this guy who was wronged by Peter Parker and wants revenge and ends up with pieces of the Peter Parker's black a spider-man suit that, that comes alive and turns him into a monster but yeah the trailer really made it look like a completely different movie to the one that they were advertising last week on tv which i found interesting you know, but it I think still it,
0: made... it still uh, brings up your point which is how they're going to reconcile yeah. that how they're going to have yeah. all these different movies in in one film
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think it bears my point out that maybe they have too much they're trying to pack too much story into the one movie which also makes me believe even more that this may be the last, at the very least, the last Spider-Man movie for the current creative team.
0: Right, throw everything into it that they can and get out.
1: You know, I've read that it's a a common mistake that first novelists make. They they try to put every idea they have into their first novel, and it seems like maybe that this is a version of that. They're trying to put every major Spider-Man thing that hasn't been done on film yet, they're trying to squeeze into this final movie. That definitely makes sense
0: for a first novelist, because they're probably thinking, I may never get to do this again. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. And maybe the Spider-Man uh, creative team are thinking the same thing. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, I guess that they'll never get to work on that character. Yeah, name.
1: or they'll—they they'll, won't, you know. Get to. I think. Yeah. You know, I think those guys can get. will get to do whatever they want to True. do. True. Yeah, I'm sure they're all thinking that it might be time to move on before they permanently become the Spider-Man people.
2: Well, I think it's a, a kind of a good time to, you know, answer a lot of fans' requests for Venom. I mean, I'm sure ever since after the first movie, people have been clamoring to have him in one of the movies. So. Oh, including sure. the
0: first film. I mean that for the first oh, film yeah? that was something definitely that that Marvel was was pressuring uh Sam Raimi to to even include because it was such a popular character and Sam Raimi famously does not like the character. He just he just feels it's not his era of Spider Man. It's it's he's not part of the Spider Man that he grew up with and that he mm-hmm. loved. So They're he really with had him no interest that. in doing Venom. Yeah, I, I actually came to the Venom character much later. I had just gotten back into comics at the time of Secret Wars in the black costume and had stayed in mm-hmm. comics for a while during the black costume saga and then got back out for a couple of years and during those years is when Venom came out so I actually mm-hmm. am not that close to the character he's, he's not particularly a favorite of mine I've, I've gotten to like it since then especially in what they did with it with the animated series in the 90s but mm-hmm. uh, Sam Raimi very strongly on the first two films fought against having Venom as part of it and then in three he was finally convinced and when he actually started getting into it he, he kind of
2: yeah, yeah he can, I'll, I'll, hopefully put he can... his own take
1: on it yeah absolutely hopefully he can do the character um, I don't want to say do the character justice because I've never been a fan of the character but hopefully he can present the character in an interesting way
2: not just a one-dimensional Frank Miller type character. Right, right exactly. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, and I like the yeah. fact that they're tying it so closely with the black costume story because <laughs> there was a separation period after they finished the black costume story in Spider-Man and then it was a little while later that Venom came about and that's kind of how I missed it.
1: Well, they have that, that ability in comics to space stuff out because it's a, a story told in installments. Sure. A movie has to squeeze it all together.
2: We'll see how they squeeze it together.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, if nothing else, I'm really be, really be interested to see what the running time on the this Spider-Man three is. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be pretty long. It's going to be like Gone yeah. with the
2: Wind, right? You have an intermission <laughs> in the middle. Right. Or, I will be uh, curious to King. see that.
0: I don't. I've not seen anything where they have said how long it is. I mean, with these days, two hours, two and a half hours is not considered long.
1: No, thanks. To, we can thank Peter Jackson for that one.
0: Right. right. <laughs> So we talked a little bit last week about the Hellboy animated films, the direct-to-DVD, and there's mm-hmm. some more information on that. Um, the second one is called Blood and Iron, and it actually premieres on the Cartoon Network this Saturday, March 17th. And they've announced the title for the third one. They haven't announced you know, when it's going to come out or anything like that. It will be called The Phantom Claw.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, looking forward to both of them. really enjoyed the first one.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, I liked it. S- the- I still have it sitting at home, have not watched yeah, it. I, I I, I I'll it. make it a point. <laughs> okay. It will be homework before next week. I, I will watch that film.
1: Yeah, I'm not not sure how uh, how they're gonna do the the second one, but the the first one I liked because it, it folded in a few bits and and short sequences from the comic books around a new story. So you kind of got you got to see uh, what was a really popular Hellboy story in the comics done as animation. But then you also got a new story, which I kind of like. I like that they're. It's, I, hopefully they'll do that with the other two as well. They'll do a mostly new material with. Maybe a little bit of fun stuff taken out of the comics directly.
0: I actually was reading on the blog of the of the person who's who's doing the films. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but he did talk about that. That on the first film, he thought he was doing a much more original story, and mm-hmm. Mike Mignola looked at it and said, "Well." it was really good, but you did this, this, and this. That had already <laughs> yeah. been done. And, and in terms of that had already been done both in the, in the feature film and in the comics. And he said, you really need to push yourself and, and really go original and go creative. And I think he actually intended to do that much more on the second film. So mm-hmm. you know, not being as familiar with the comics, we'll, we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think uh, yeah, if the first one is any indication, I think he'll do a nice job on the other too. Yeah, I got to, he uh, was here in town in Portland where I lived showing a preview from the first one back in uh, October. And he he was there. He was at a film festival, and he was there. And he talked about it a little bit. Talked about the process, and it seems like they're having a lot of fun making them. So hopefully they'll do. I think their their deal was to do four really all together. So there there should be a fourth one coming. Great. Okay.
0: Well. I know they're working on the third one right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the is anyone desperately waiting for this category? Uh, There is going to be a special edition DVD of the Fantastic Four film, the first one, the feature film. Finally. Oh, yay. Yeah, gee,
2: I haven't bought the first one yet, so... Hmm.
0: Well, then you're one of the lucky ones. (laughs) You didn't didn't buy the first one, so you can wait for the special edition. You don't have to buy it twice.
2: Sweet. (laughs) Is this going to be like... 1.5 1.5 or something like an uh, I think they are
0: possibly calling it something like that Fantastic Four 1.5 yeah. uh, uh, tell
1: him why he wants the special edition DVD tell, is there tell anything me anything significant
0: well uh, it's got on five it? extra minutes um, what the five extra minutes are I don't know uh, it does have a couple extra documentaries does have a retrospective on Jack Kirby which uh, if I if I watch it probably be the only thing would be for that um, does have the requisite kind of making of movies and uh, commentaries and also a, a documentary about the actual Fantastic Four in the comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's out mm-hmm. June 5th, which is a month before the new film comes out.
1: Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. I'll see I if I, I can I... just rent Disc 2 watch right. the documentaries and not actually watch the movie.
0: Um, one we didn't get to talk about last week was Speed Racer, uh, which has been in the works for a while. It's, it's, it's another one that's in the planning stages. Really all I've got at this point is, is directors. And I say directors because it's the Wachowski brothers who uh, did the mm. Matrix films. And be for Vendetta, mm-hmm. um,
2: they so they're did. actually be involved with the film, unlike kind of how V for Vendetta turned out. That's
1: true.
0: They actually didn't direct V
1: for Vendetta. They no, just they were the they were they were the sort of George Lucas role right. for V for Vendetta. They they oversaw it, but they didn't want to be on set every day, and so right. they they ran it. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was their movie. Right. They just weren't on there doing the day to day directing stuff. But well, I they, think they are supposed the to be directing
0: was, this. And they've announced, uh, the the reason it's news this week is they did announce a date for it, uh, which is May ninth, 2008, which, if you remember from last week, is the, the same week as Iron Man.
1: And Indiana Jones. And wow. Indiana Jones. going to be a busy weekend.
0: It should be a busy time. I'm, I would imagine that some of those are going to move around.
1: Oh, uh, they'll all move around. They won't put three major action movies out on the same day. Now, I haven't
0: even heard anything about a script for this or who was writing it or, or what stage it's in. Really, about the only rumors that have been coming out about this film since since it's being discussed for a couple of years has been the, the Wachowskis directing and the only casting rumor had had been uh, Vince Vaughn for racer X which is mm-hmm. it is not that not to say that they've even talked to him it's just it's it's what people had talked about I, ca- I could see him I definitely, yeah. definitely I can see him looking like racer X and having the mm-hmm. attitude for a racer X uh, Vince, right. Vince Vaughn in my opinion only plays one role and, and that one role could work for racer X right he could play right. himself yes
1: yeah, I'm I'm failing to be thrilled by this one, I have to say. I've never been much of a Speed Racer fan. Um, well, we'll yeah. see. I, mean, I enjoyed I thought, it as a kid. And, yeah, 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 it all depends I, on what they do with it. Well, as long like, as they have the song in
2: there somewhere, I'm okay. Right, yeah. They got, or they'll <laughs> no, do like speed a
1: racer? a grungy rock version of the song, probably, for the,
2: for the movie. <laughs> or like the Spider-Man version has somebody on the corner singing it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, that, I didn't, that, didn't that was like the Matrix. How they fit that in. Yeah, I didn't like the Matrix movies at all, but I really? did like V for Vendetta a lot, so... I guess I have a love hate relationship with the Wachowski's right now. So we'll uh we'll see how they do with this one. But yeah, I'm I'm could take or leave it at this point.
0: Uh so let's see in some Smallville news, um, for fans of Smallville and fans of the nineteen seventies Wonder Woman. Linda Carter has been cast to play Chloe's mother on Smallville. Uh she'll be appearing in the April eighteenth episode.
1: And it was only a matter of time, I guess. Before they got Linda Carter to... The the parade of of former superhero actors continued.
0: (laughs) I know you talked last week about feeling that Smallville was at a point where they're just throwing things in because they don't have anything good. I I actually don't agree. I I think that they've had a total renaissance this season. I I watched for the Green Arrow at the first half of the season, and I just thought he was amazing. I I think that Mm -hmm. he totally... Turn the show around in terms of that when he was on screen the show worked. I mean, whenever they yeah, went, whenever he wasn't on the screen and it was about Clark and particularly when it was about Lot, Lana and Lex, then that's when I started tuning out again. And,
1: and I think you're right, and I think that exactly proves my point about the show is that the, the the only way they can generate interest is by adding new characters. They don't have anything else to say about Clark, who's supposed to be the main character. And so they, you know, my my thought was maybe they should have just canceled Smallville and, and had the Green Arrow TV series come out rather than trying to, to mush him into into Smallville. But the point really is that they have run out of things to say about the main characters. And so they have to add add Green Arrow. And and I thought Green Arrow was great too. You know, I I looked forward to the the season. I loved the the first was the 6 or 7 episodes of it mm-hmm. and I think you're right. I think he added a tremendous amount of fun to the show, but I think that does prove my point that yeah. that yeah, was something I agree they needed.
0: It, I agree that it should be the Green Arrow show that, mm-hmm. they, that yeah. they should cancel Smallville and, and start a Green Arrow show.
1: Yeah, and that was just something that they felt like they needed to have to to keep things interesting because they just didn't have anything left to say with the the cast that's in place now now if know, any so for to... those of
2: you uh, sending in your hate mail be sure to address it to jefferson right, right. I, I, I was about <laughs> to say that
0: that's what i was about to say was that uh, that will generate some mail because i know that there are legions and legions no pun intended of small uh-huh.
1: fans <laughs> yes and and you know i love the show i've watched the shows from day one um, I want the show to be good. That's, uh, If anything, that's why it's a little bit more upsetting to me because I'm a huge Superman fan, and I thought Smallville was a great idea, You know, a great way to present the character, just kind of like what I was talking about last week about heroes and how it, it works because it presents these concepts without bogging it down in silly costumes. And I thought Smallville did the same thing early on. I love the show, which makes it even kind of more frustrating that they, they can't think of anything to say without adding new characters. You know, They did it last year with Lois, and they're doing it this year with with uh, Oliver and whoever they end up adding later on.
0: <laughs> well, they introduced pretty much the whole Justice League or at least their version yeah, of Yeah, they
1: right and they and even with to a lesser extent even adding uh, Jimmy Olsen to the cast yep, too, you know. That's they, right, they're they added just him this year. Packing in new uh, new characters. The one that I I kind of wish they had done more with is they had I, I think it was last year, they had one episode where she just had one little scene, but they had Carrie Fisher as the editor of the Daily Plan. Oh, that's right. I kinda yeah. wanted her to I thought she was interesting. I wanted her to come back and
0: Yeah, that was a fun little character there with and basically berating, Chloe. Yeah, berating yeah, berating Chloe. Yeah, the Justice episode of uh Smallville that, that did bring back all these superhero characters that they had had so far on there was the Uh, highest-rated episode of the show in a long time, which definitely goes a long way to say that, yeah, the the existing characters, the existing stories just aren't cutting it. There was one guy who uh, I read his uh, blog entry this week. It actually got circulated around the Internet that that wrote a very long and very interesting and and very accurate, in my opinion, uh, treatise on why they should just kill Lana to save the show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if they need to go as far as... uh having a noble aspiration like saving the show they could just kill lana (laughs) put her her out of all of our misery She's just i mean she's never been great as a character in the show but she's for the last year or two she's just been awful you know you can't the whole premise of the series is that, that clark has this unrequited love for lana and you can't get into that because she's so awful you find yourself thinking well what what is wrong with this guy that he can't stop mooning over this horrible woman
0: well we'll we'll save that for the smallville podcast <laughs> okay <laughs> Um or for the, la- the hate mail we get next week right yeah i guess we'll, there'll be stuff to respond to uh, <laughs> for the last note for today um I, this is a late breaking story this just just came out today and i didn't really have time to fully research it but there's some been executive changes at uh, marvel's studios basically marvel's company that they've put together to produce their uh all their upcoming movies and TV shows and DVD projects that they're doing on their own. Um, it basically, the person who was at the head of that quit, and someone else took his place. And a lot of that, to me, in terms of what's interesting, is how that is affected by Avi Arad, who ran Marvel Studios for a very long time, and I believe right. very successfully, and was was responsible for a lot of Marvel success. But I will mm-hmm. uh, track you know down some of the details on that story this week, and and we'll talk about that next week.
1: Uh, sounds fascinating. Sounds can't wait to hear about
0: it. So that's it for our news this week, uh, but keep checking it out at SuperheroCinema.com every day. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us for this week. If you haven't already, click on the subscribe link on our website to subscribe to the podcast or find us on iTunes under Superhero Cinema. If you have any news stories, suggestions for what you want us to talk about, or any comments on the show, uh, send us an email at podcast at superhero com, or you can leave us a voicemail on skype our skype name is superhero cinema we hope you keep showing up for superhero cinema we're saving the world one fan at a time